Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. This is that's my favorite way that we we like start an episode is when we just say each other's names. Scott. One day we'll just say our own names. I'll be like Scott. Tristan. It's probably not aliens, and then just content. <laughs> the shortest intro we've ever done. Um, yeah. So we didn't talk about this on the show yet because mm-hmm. we plan to do a bit more on it. But uh, back in November of 2022, remember those salad days? What was happening then? Twitter. <laughs> Twitter was going wild. Yeah, that was when I think. That's that, all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, something happened on November 11th, 2022, and not just Remembrance Day or Armistice Day or whatever Mm. it's called in America. Okay. It was a Friday. And as anybody who is a regular binger of Netflix knows, that Friday is when their new shows come out. That's right. And on that day, Tristan and the Probably Not Aliens Twitter accounts, emails, and approximately every possible way that any human being has ever conceived of for sending messages to me, bombarded Mm -hmm. me with the absolute deluge of Uh, of making sure that I was aware of the new hit Netflix documentary, Ancient Apocalypse. Yeah, baby. And it has subsequently destroyed my life. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) But why? It seemed so promising and so good. Yeah. First of all, I had to watch it, which um, not recommended. How how long is it? It's eight hours. Oh, it's I thought it was like, long episodes. Uh, I didn't know it was a series. I thought it was just a movie. No, no, oh, no. no. And, and then I also agreed that I should make a video about it. And if this podcast comes out, if my, if I haven't ruined my life next week, then this podcast uh-huh, should be coming uh-huh. out about a week after I have released this uh, video. Yes. That is my official response to ancient apocalypse. Are you aware that there was also a 2021 series called ancient apocalypse? No. Is it also Graham Hancock's thing? Um, it. I don't. It doesn't look like he's involved in this one. Oh. But they do come out at the same around the same time. That's weird. Like a year apart. It's the prologue. There's six episodes instead of eight. So uh, this one's shorter. That would have been nice. Um. So that happened, and then um, because I needed to make a response to it, it turns out that Graham Hancock's density of wrongness is pretty dense. Yeah. So the episode 
episode is turning out to be, we just had a long conversation before this podcast started about video editing because this is turning into the abs- an absolute chonker of a video and, and, and to the point where I had to have like a sponsor deadline extended and all sorts of stuff because like I said, this video is ruining my life. Ancient Apocalypse has like l- taken hours off the end of my life because I had to watch it and then I had to write about it and then I had to film it and every part of the process because Graham Hancock is so annoying has like taken like four times longer than it should. Hold on. Hold on. I'm on the IMDb page for Ancient Apocalypse, the actual one you're talking about, not the 2021 what? TV show. And I'm not on the 20, 2001 TV show, which also was called Ancient Apocalypse. So this is a 2022 ancient. I'm on the IMDb page for it. And it says stars in order. Graham Hancock, who we will be talking about today. Yeah. Second star, Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets it gets very good. Wait, are you telling me that you're in Ancient Apocalypse? Because I'm a bald guy like Joe Rogan? No, I thought you just told me that you are in it, that you're on the IMDb page for it. Oh, you're on the IMDb page. Okay. My brain, yeah. my brain interpreted that somehow oh. you were in the credits for Ancient Apocalypse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why your reaction was so big. Like, whoa, Scott, you're able to type in imdb.com? Okay, that that makes no. I am not. I my me. I'm not credited on the page of IMDb. I just visited just now the page on IMDb. Does Scott Penis Wander have an IMDb page? Does Scott Scott Nice? He's Scott Nice Wander. He knows nothing about what we're talking today, but he is a director of NerdSync who has who is known for NerdSync, in which you are director that has been going since 2013. Uh, 2022's Night of the Coconut. I was in that, yeah, as uh, a in a cameo. Shout out to Patrick Willems. Yeah, You're credited for two episodes of Philosophy Tube in 2015 and 2016. I think that's how. Uh, well, I know you through Abigail, but um, yeah, I think I saw you did one, and then also there was just a whole video that is literally a parody of NerdSync. I didn't realize that I had an IMDb page. What if the episode was just about this now? And then you were one out on an episode of the Film Brain podcast. I was. We talked about ba- the Batman last year. Gosh, we talked about that movie for three hours that was so much fun you talked about it for as long as the movie is hey, that's exactly right <laughs> so there you go that is the that is the scott nice wonder uh imdb page now let's see if tristan johnson has one i doubt it there's got to be more than one tristan johnson there is it's an extremely common name um yeah. oh nope i do have one i am known for being oh. in one episode of philosophy tube because nice. i did one voiceover in the episode that had adam conover on it as the much bigger guest two great guests that's my uh five degrees of separation from Adam Conover. I think I have like several five degrees of separations from Adam Conover in multiple directions, but either way, um, this is a podcast where we look up ourselves on IMDb. Yeah. Called, it's uh, it's probably not. This is a podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens. It doesn't have its own IMDb page. I'm Yet. pretty sure. Yet. Yet. It seems like podcasts can have it. Mine. So yeah. What we're going to, we normally look at, you know, ancient aliens, the TV show and debunk some of their claims or really just, you know, look into them, see what alternative theories there are alternate as if the ancient aliens aren't alternative theories already, you know, as opposed to the mainstream alien theories. Right, exactly. But we're doing something really special today. Mm -hmm. And it's all thanks to this other host right here. Hi, my name is Tristan Johnson. I have a cold. I am tired because I don't sleep anymore. And uh, today and I am I am ready to to take it to uh, one of the greats 
of the uh this is chariot of the cranks that that is chariot of the cranks um that's good because today because well also because this guy released a book called fingerprints of the gods and so i thought like oh chariots fingerprints anyways oh i see uh we're talking about graham hancock today who is a very big cheese in this pseudo archaeology world because graham hancock uh if you actually do go to the wikipedia page for pseudo archaeology there are two pictures at the top of the page Eric von Daniken and Graham Hancock. They are the two girl bosses of uh, of the world of pseudo-archaeological cranks. They are girl bosses, and I wish they would gatekeep, to be honest with you. <laughs> so today we're talking about Graham Hancock, who is at the center of the modern attempt to make a case for the existence of Atlantis. And we have talked about Atlantis, and I'm, I'm kind of dancing on the details of, the, of Atlantis theory in this episode or episodes because... I feel like Atlantis is a big enough topic that it should be its own episode in the future. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I love that movie. But I think that it's important because as we are talking about ancient astronaut theory, this podcast is about ancient astronaut theory, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology and everything like that. But today we are profiling one of the big names in that field. And us and and we've talked a lot about ancient astronaut theory because we are mostly responding to ancient aliens. But Graham Hancock and the sort of Atlantis people are sort of like a, a a nice like parallel thread of most of the same kinds of arguments. There's a lot of cases mm-hmm. where you see things that um, that people claim are uh, aliens on ancient aliens, and then you go to like you know Graham Hancock's work, and then he'll say the same thing. But that means that there was an ancient civilization in the Ice Age that that uh, that coincidentally was also uh, white and <laughs> and passed on all of their genius to other civilizations. Oh, thanks, white people. Man, Love that. Just keep giving. Um, can I can I ask a question? Because I've not seen this series, but I am, as I said, I am visiting the IMDb page right now. Mm-hmm. And um, is that when they say the ancient apocalypse, do they mean it was one thing that sort of wiped out every because some of the descriptions of the episodes say that like, oh, they're finding proof for like the date of the ancient apocalypse or whatever. But it's not, but the way that they're traveling, the way the many episodes and like time periods and cultures makes it seem like there's like multiple ancient apocalypses. So here's so the, I don't know. so here's the general case. Uh, so Graham Hancock is again, a writer who promotes a lot of pseudoscience about ancient civilizations. The main thrust, and we'll get into like some of the details of his theories later, but the main thrust mm-hmm. is that he believes that there was like 20,000 years ago during the last ice age, a major, like an advanced civilization that did all sorts of cool things. And then there was an asteroid, impact that started a period called the Younger Dryas period, which was basically a period uh, where there was a really abrupt climate change. It is, and uh, the temperatures got really, really cold for a little while. Uh, but and basically, it, uh, it like uh, then it got warmer, sea levels rose. It's basically like the beginning of the end of the last ice age. Um, mm-hmm. But he uh, thinks that this happened because of an asteroid, which is based on um, a sort of hypothesis in geology that okay. I think a lot of people are not really convinced by anymore. Uh, given some st- some evidence that came out in actually like as recently as like last year, so. We'll, we'll, mm. uh, we could talk about that, but that's I, I'm getting I get into that in my video a lot. And uh, but uh, basically, his oh, idea I see. is you're the, just you're you're just using this podcast to promote your YouTube channel called Step Back, which you can find at stepback.com 
that's not right, is it? Stepbackhistory.com. But I wanted to use the, the, the video to promote the podcast. Oh, okay. But basically, the idea is that there's ancient civilization, which like people like Plato called Atlantis. After it collapsed, the survivors then went on to spread the ideas of their civilizations onto all of these different cultures. And that's why he tries to argue that a lot of the, the great artifacts of archaeology are actually either a lot older than they are, or tries to argue that that they are out of place with the culture that made them, which implies that somebody from the outside taught them how to do it. So it's a lot of like, you know, uh, how could these people, it's a lot of mirroring the exact same arguments as ancient aliens, where yeah. it's like, how could these people possibly have moved big rock, you know? How do they move, how to move big rock? Mm-hmm. How do they, they must, someone must have taught them ramps. Yeah. Uh, someone must have came in from the outside and taught them about incline planes. Yeah, ancient, so, so, uh, so Atlantis people tend to use the same arguments and it does also come from a place that has its roots in white supremacy and, and uh, colonialist ideas about different cultures and such. Basically his first big book, as we'll get into in a little bit, is essentially a rehash of a book by Ignatius Donnelly that came out in the 1800s that essentially tries to make the same argument. But anyways, today we're going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, and then we get into his his oeuvre, his, his work. Yeah. All right. His world, his whole way of being. This guy looks so familiar to me. I'm sure I've seen him around a whole lot. I if if we I haven't watched, you know, Ancient Aliens past the point that, you know, I actually have to today or tomorrow for the next for episodes. Research. I have to go yeah. watch some more of the show. But uh, mm-hmm. my my guess is that if he does not show up at some point, I'd be very surprised. Um, you know what? I'm on IMDb. I could just look up where else he's been. In. He's been in a lot of things. And also a lot of less than, um, you know, stellar uh, media institutions have uh, brought him on to make documentaries like Netflix, this for is, example. Yeah, um, this is my superpower is I never close any tabs. Ah, well, can I tell you about Graham Hancock's early life and his time as like an almost legitimate uh, person yeah, before he decided would, to become a full blown crank? Absolutely. I would love that. I want to know. I want to know all about this boy. All right. Well, first things first he's a boomer uh hancock oh, was born no. yeah. yeah graham hawk Gra- graham hancock was graham hawk graham, <laughs> graham hawk. hawk sorry that's my nose um <laughs> graham hancock was born in edinburgh in scotland on the 2nd of august 1950 but at the age of three moved with his parents to india where his father worked mm-hmm. as a surgeon uh when he got older he moved back to the uk and graduated from durham university in 1973 with a degree in sociology and used that to become a journalist and as far as i can tell he was sort of like a left-wing journalist who focused on issues to do with international development and global inequality like cool Mm. and he even wrote a few books to that extent um he worked for some pretty big newspapers like the times uh the sunday times the independent the guardian he was a co-editor for the new internationalist magazine for three years and for a while uh he was actually the economist's east africa correspondent where he uh did a lot of work in uh ethiopia okay and again he talked about economic development, social development, and a lot of the issues to do with that. Um, in in retrospect, and this will speak a lot to some stuff that we'll get to in probably part two, but uh, in 1987, uh, he claims that from about the year of 1987 onwards, he was, quote, pretty much stoned all the time. Amazing. <laughs> um, he was pretty much permanently stoned. Uh, apparently, he was a really big fan of cannabis, which, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm also a fan of cannabis, so I don't sure. fault him for that. But the fact that he's, he was pretty much constantly on drugs for all that time and then starting in like the early 1990s starts getting into weird esoteric
Trek uh, Atlanta stuff might 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 show us a little bit of an origin story. I feel like um, that is Graham Hancock's relationship yes. with drugs is uh, is an interesting thread to put through this. It is also around the same time where he starts appearing on TV. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know if you, which I don't know if you have that mentioned at all in in your, your no. outline, but uh, no, he was uh, in such great works like Great Pyramid, Gateway to the Stars, Chariots of the Gods, The Mysteries Continue. That's from 1996. Ancient Mysteries, Atlantis, In Search of a Lost Continent from 1997. Same <laughs> same great year. So many more, tons more, including, yes, 18 episodes of Ancient Aliens. Perfect. All right, then we will we will run into him again. <laughs> he was also in a show. Sorry, this is just funny, given the context that we're talking about. He, is also, he was also in a show in 2018 just called Psychedelica. So that's fun. Oh, also, yeah, to yeah, keep yeah. In mind. Um, so, yeah, he his argument is that a lot of ancient monuments are much older than archaeologists say and uses that to say that Atlantis is real and that his uh, a lot of his ideas are recycled works of Ignatius Donnelly, who wrote a book called Atlantis, the anti the antediluvian world. I don't know why, but D sounds are hard for me to say with my nose stuffed up. Um, the antediluvian world in 1882, a, a book that has been discredited for a very long time. Um, oh, okay. Now, Hancock's claims and the ways that he comes about them, which uh, we'll learn very quickly, is mostly vibes based. Uh, are I would expect nothing less. <laughs> are pretty widely regarded as pseudo-archaeology. Yeah, if you watch Ancient Apocalypse, a lot of the times he'll be like, archaeologists say this pretty uh, logical thing, but that doesn't that doesn't convince me. I I don't think it's that way. And then it's like, yeah, okay, why? And then he's just like, I don't know. I just it just doesn't know, it just doesn't man. read that way to me. Doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, the vibes are off. The vibes are off. This there, there is nobody who has needed a vibe check more than <laughs> Gramuel Hancock. But uh, yeah, like um, in a book called Archaeological Fantasies, a guy by the name of Garrett Fagan pointed out that people like him cherry pick their evidence and misrepresent facts. Uh, for one example, from his 1995 book, uh, Hancock wrote that the the best recent evidence points that large regions of Antarctica had been ice free until about 6,000 years ago. Oh, yeah. Also, he's a climate change denier. Oh, great. Referring to the Piri Reese map and Hapgood's work from the 1960s, what is left is entirely unmentioned and extensive studies of the Antarctic ice sheets by George H. Denton published in 1981, which show that the ice to be hundreds of thousands of years old. How can you be a climate change denier, but then also base a lot of your what search for Atlantis around like there was a big the climate changed a lot in the past and things like that I guess like a current climate change denier that denier like things are fine now so um, what I found is that there's this um, there's this other map there's like a sister to the Piri Reese map which is called the um, I think it's like the Ignatius Phineas map or something like that Uh, I definitely mispronounced that but uh, uh, let me actually just find the I I don't want to I don't want to have to add another item to my corrections episode so I'm going to uh, we're jumpy now yeah um the Arontius Phineas map is what it's called. And this, uh, as I learned from a wonderful YouTuber by the name of uh, Mini Minuteman, uh, who does like a basically like basically has oh a YouTube gosh. channel that debunks inch, uh, like debunks pseudo-archaeology. That's amazing. And also is a person that so many people have requested that we get on the podcast. Yes. So we'll have yeah, to reach sure. out. Uh, but Mini Minuteman uh, has done an episode on the uh, the Arontius Phineas map. And the Arontius Phineas map is used by a sort of uh 
small branch of pseudo-archaeologists who are basically trying to prove that climate change isn't real, or they're trying to prove that it's not anthropogenic because they're like trying to say like, look, not too um, long ago, uh, Antarctica had no ice on it. So all that ice is new so that the, the, the climate changes a lot faster than you think. I see. So there, it's less about denying that climate, that the climate can change and does change, but more so just that it's not our fault. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what they think. And so a lot of the, a lot of times Atlantis people will claim that that is where Atlantis was. Uh, or they claim that, um, like in the case that in Ancient Apocalypse, Trez makes the argument that um, that all of the evidence that would make his case were conveniently all destroyed by asteroids. Very oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, man. Those asteroids. Oh, I mean, hasn't that happened to all of us? Yeah. You're about to finish your big project, about to turn it in for that big final grade, and then boom, asteroid. Oh, man. Asteroid ate my homework. Oh, shucks. Um, but like, so like a good example of the kind of work he does is like Hancock will say that, oh, look, I found this evidence from the 1960s that shows that Antarctica might have had no ice 6,000 years ago, but then ignore that like 20 years after that, there is evidence that shows that the ice is hundreds of thousands of years old. Or um, another one is that uh, when he was describing the Bolivian city of Tiwanaku, which I feel we, have we talked about Tiwanaku on this episode before? Okay, it sounds familiar. Pumapunku is there. Pumapunku. Yeah. So um, Hancock says that it's a mysterious site about which very little is known. Again, also uh, pseudo-archaeologists always touch on the exact same topics, right? Um, yeah. And said that minimal archaeologists or minimal archaeology has been done on the site over recent years, but that it, it actually might date. And because of that, he claims that it's probably, you know, 17,000 years old instead of like, you know, oh. a few, maybe a thousand years old, like we thought. Um, but there has been dozens of excavations. And as we pointed out that, you know, the site yeah. is very important for like Bolivian national identity and like all this stuff. That is really, and I, I don't know if he goes into more evidence to, to back up like his claim, but just to be like i don't know man a lot not a lot is known about it it's probably like 10 times older than we thought it was it's like yeah that's not anything you have basically summarized the primary argument loop of graham hancock is it's basically this is what everyone says but there's holes in the data so therefore i have this entire other plan other idea that has no evidence backing it and i believe that and if you disagree with that i have spent the first chapter of this book trying to talk about how there's a grand conspiracy of all the archaeologists to discredit mm. me so like that's his whole now, that's his like that's his like you know his ooda loop if you will now i am i'm not saying there's there is no, there's nothing wrong with the idea of questioning you know sources and history and, and things like that but you can't just like make up something then and be like i don't know i bet it's probably way older and here's and without any evidence i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you a bunch of other stuff. He's like the living embodiment of those Twitter memes that are like, um, like site. What's your citation? And then it's like, I saw it in a dream, or like, um, <laughs> like you know what you know the ones I'm talking about. Like they usually have Doctor Manhattan. Like it was revealed to me mm-hmm. in a dream. I mean, it's the vibes. Yeah, yeah, the vibes. Uh, the other things that he has uh, gone on the record to say that are pretty interesting is that he has said that um, he's com- he said that the Maya, the ancient Maya people who we've talked about a lot, were were only quote semi civilized and that their achievements are generally unremarkable because he was trying to make the argument that they learned their calendar from an older, much more advanced civilization. So already okay. very charming guy. Great. And he's also one of the big proponents of the Orion correlation theory, which we have talked about in other episodes. When we talked about yeah. uh, the American Southwest, we talked about uh, Chaco Canyon. That this idea is that a bunch of things in the past are all aligned with the Orion's belt constellation. And the big and one is just... the temples, the, the pyramids of Giza line up with it, even though um, apparently I learned a new fact, and that is they're not. In fact, they're off by as much as six degrees. <laughs> 
But it's also like, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but Orion's belt is almost a line. Yeah. It's al- it's it's almost a straight line. So like, you could say that anything looks like it's aligned with Orion's belt. Mm-hmm. It's, and like, yeah, other, like, yeah, it makes sense that other cultures would look up, like di- di- distinct separate cultures would look up into the sky and, and see that constellation because it's a line. Did you anyway. know that they also have stars in Egypt and America? Wild. That's wild. I thought they well they're on like different parts of the earth so they would have different stars is that not true they're on the same hemisphere oh, wow. though that is that's true if you're talking about the northern and southern hemisphere but the constellations oh, are the same in in uh, northern Africa and in Mesoamerica because they're on the same hemisphere so gotcha so that is like the general bit of who Graham Hancock is and his general vibes um, so do you want to get into I just decided to take a different tack which is just to go through his bibliography go book by book through his his back his backstory you can go book by book and i'm still on his imdb page and we'll go book by book tv show by t made for tv movie by made for tv movie nice go This episode is sponsored by NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens to get up to one extra year of your online security subscription for free as an exclusive gift. Well, the weather's starting to heat up again. I mean, not this week where I am, it actually snowed, but you know, when it does heat up, you can expect me to be out on the old boat wearing a floral shirt and casting away into that great big beautiful blue all day long uh now to be clear i don't have a boat or personally know anyone who does nor have i casted a fishing line in the last decade of my life but you know i do own lots of floral shirts too many in fact so i do feel right at home in the fishing community as long as the kind of fishing we're talking about is with an f not a ph because you see fishing with a ph is when you send an email that looks legitimate and it might look like it's from twitter or youtube or zoom or really just any online service but it's fake I mean, the email is real, but you know, it was sent to you by scammers and hackers who are trying to collect your login information for the sites that you use. And if they have your email and password for one login, chances are they can use that info to figure out the login for your other online accounts, like your bank or your floral shirt dropshipping company that everyone says reads as inauthentic if you're not actually out on the open sea catching... I don't know, goldfish? What's the goal? I mean, you know, when I'm out on that boat, yeah, I'm just there for some rest and relaxation, just like you can relax as well when it comes to your online security, thanks to NordVPN Threat Protection, which includes a specific feature to warn you about phishing links, as well as features like a blocker for malicious ads and dark web monitoring to alert you if passwords have been leaked. And all of these features come with a robust VPN so you can protect your data and unblock content from streaming services that are only available in certain countries that you might not be in. So go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens and check it out. The best part is that you can try it with no risk. Nord has a 30 day money back guarantee so you can try it for yourself and decide. NordVPN is privacy focused. They have 24 seven customer support and they have apps for every major platform. Once again, that is nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens get yourself a two-year plan and you'll get some additional months for free as an exclusive gift up to an entire year that's a boatload of savings that was me casting uh that was like i was fishing i'm fishing now 
So the first book that came out by Graham Hancock came out in, or the, sorry, I should say his first heel turn book, because he wrote a couple books that were about like journalism and like about Ethiopia and, and development and stuff like that. But then he was just like, no, nah, this isn't, this isn't That's generating boring. me enough money. I'm going to write yeah. The Sign and the Seal, The Quest for the Lost Ark of the Covenant. Great. Uh, again, we're hitting all the hits, aren't we? That's so good already. So this book has been described to me as part travel blog and part uh, basically like a journalist who knows nothing about archaeology going to a bunch of yeah. sites and developing his own crackpot Aww. theory based on just vibes he has about the places he goes. That's, it's like he's doing an eat, pray, love. That's sweet. <laughs> eat, pray, yeah. Um, so this whole idea is that he is searching for the Ark of the Covenant and he proposes that uh, the Ark of the Covenant was removed from Solomon's temple in Jerusalem by priests during the reign of King Manasseh of Judea around the year 650 BC and then okay. spent about 200 years in a temple in uh, Egypt in the city of Elephantine but that uh, a few hundred years later it moved to Ethiopia via the Nile River and was kept on the island of Tana Kyrgos which was apparently an island where uh, that had some Jewish communities there and then it lived there for about 800 more years until it came into the Ethiopian Orthodox Church in the 5th century where it rests to this day which I'm going to tread on lightly because um, one of the things I have mentioned is that the people the believers in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church do actually believe that they have the Ark of the Covenant yes. and I don't want to you know step on anybody's religious beliefs but no absolutely we've done we've done an episode about the, the Ark of the Covenant and, and things like that so it's one of those things where like you know I how would I know? I've not been there, you know? What I will say, though, is that his claim does contradict the Ethiopian church that believes that it happened 200 years earlier and that it was stolen from uh, Solomon's temple during the king of of Solomon himself. So, okay. uh, Basically, like, it it, it has, like, a different, like, yeah, there's some different things. One review I found was from a guy named Desmond Ryan of the Philadelphia Inquirer who said, if Hancock did any more speculating than what is strewn through the many pages of the sign and the seal, he would have to go into real estate. (laughs) Great line. By the way, a lot of this is me finding extremely funny reviews um, uh, that that really hit it hit hit it a lot. Oh, I love it. Yeah, but the really big hit of his was fingerprints of the gods. What was there a question mark in the title? No, but I oh, okay. I, I just see Daniken's book in my or Von Daniken's yeah. book in my head, right? Chariots of the Gods? Question mark. I just love that there's a question mark. Uh, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. it makes the book so much funnier to look at. Uh, the Evidence of Earth's Lost Civilization came out in 1995, and this was his really big hit. This was the one that like Massive. sold tons of copies and put him on the map. Uh, and he makes his argument that there was a civilization centered down Antarctica, which was farther from the south. South Pole than today because some people who are in this uh, realm believe that Antarctica used to have no ice on it, but then there was a dramatic changing of the magnetic poles of the planet, which moved the South Pole to Antarctica and then put it under colder patterns and made it freeze. Huh. And like, that's not, so So the idea is like, that is a thing that does happen. The Earth's magnetic field does have a habit of shifting every like on on very large scales but what i will say is that uh it does not happen that dramatically it's a process that takes thousands like many thousands of years uh where like basically on the long enough scale usually what happens is that the poles shift sometimes uh, on 180 so that north and south basically swap but i'm i'm not a i'm not a a magnetologist and as we famously know nobody knows how magnets work so are they alive are they a living being we don't know. 
Yeah, but generally the thing we need to know about it is that the magnetic fields of the Earth do change uh, from time to time. We can see this by looking at magnetically sensitive metals in stone, because if you think about it, like if you find magnetic stone or magnetic metals that in stone that were lava and you know about mm-hmm. what time that crystallized, then which way everything is pointing would give some idea as to what the magnetic field of the planet was like at that time. And sometimes oh, it's out of clever. place. Yeah. Man, science is cool, man. Yeah. So sometimes the magnetic poles do shift or they weaken for a period of time. Um, and if that were to happen in modern day, it would be a, it would take tens of thousands of years. And what we would see is basically uh, the reliability of compasses start to decrease and mm. uh, there would be an increase in cancer rates because um, the magnetosphere is a big thing that protects us from cosmic rays. But according to Graham Hancock, that this happened that in 10,450 BC, a major pole shift took place, and that uh, which is part of a theory done by Charles Hapgood called Earth Crustal Displacement, and that the refugees from this civilization then left and built ancient Egypt and the Olmecs and the Aztecs and the Maya because they all built triangle buildings. Oh, I see. I was going to ask how they're all related, but I do get it. It's the triangle buildings. Yeah, nobody could ever think to make a triangle before that. No one ever thought if we're trying to make a big building, we should make sure it has a big base and then have it go up to a point mm-hmm. before. No one thought of that. I love how he tries to preempt that because he goes to Cholula in the in the documentary series. He okay. goes to Cholula and uh, he says like, yeah, so some people say that like, oh, pyramids are the same in all these different places because they're, they built it from the base. And then and, and his response was i don't know if i believe that and then oh and, cool and just, I was like oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry i even brought it up tristan this he's clearly got a response to everything yeah. that's i have egg on my face now yeah um it's it's pretty wild that he like does that kind of stuff and also the theory of cru- of earth crustal displacement by the way uh is in uh opposition to a more common geological uh theory which is plate tectonics so this is a this is a a, uh, mm. a truther about plate tectonics. The idea that the Earth is made up of plates that are moving, evidence being mountains and earthquakes. Yes, I've heard of them. I know of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another author by the name of Heather Pringle actually uh, wrote about uh, fingerprints of the gods because it uh, who who made the very obvious connection that I am dancing around and probably will play more into when we talk about Atlantis proper, but mentions that this is a pseudoscientific tradition that goes all way back to people like H.S. Bellamy and Dennis Surratt and the work of people like Heinrich Himmler Uh who had uh, the Racial Research Institute and was trying to defend the existence of a uh, Nordic race of Atlanteans who then spread their civilization to the rest of the world. Because of course they did. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-oh. No good. Yeah, there's another, that's that's another another one that, uh, that shows up a lot when we talk about this stuff. Fun story for another time, for sure. Um, Another big, uh, another person talked about it is an archaeologist by the name of Kenneth Fetter, who is um, who is may not have said his name many times on the podcast, but he shows up a lot because he writes a lot about pseudoarchaeology. Okay, uh, he described this book as a Victorian travelogue of a writer untrained in archaeology who credits a mysterious white people for the achievements of the ancient civilizations he visits. Hancock notably uh-huh. refers to the Maya as quote jungle dwelling Indians who couldn't possibly come up oh with sophisticated god. calendar. Yeah. Oh my god. And it is in this book where Graham. Hancock goes masks off and he says that the Atlanteans were definitely white. Uh, Oh my God. Yeah. Despite that, despite him calling the Maya people jungle dwelling 
I don't even want to repeat the other word. Yeah. Um, despite calling them that, the book has been translated into 27 languages and is estimated to have sold over 5 million copies worldwide. Great. Also, in 2001, it was so popular that he republished the book with an updated version that is called Fingerprints of the Gods. The quest continues. Cool, man. The quest continues. Yes. And, double and, it was also cited as the main inspiration for a movie called 2012. Oh, no. (laughs) Made by the guy who made The Day After Tomorrow. But he wasn't in... Hold on. Was he in the movie? I don't know if he was in the movie, but... um, That would be fun. He was not in the movie. But Roland Emmerich has directly cited that that Graham Hancock was his inspiration for that movie. I don't know if it's great to say that Graham Hancock is an inspiration for anything. I don't know if, 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 if the words, you know, yeah, you know, Graham Hancock was my inspiration for those words, regardless of what I say next, come out of my mouth. I'm already in trouble, I feel. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I didn't like what the Nazis did. But, but and ooh. nothing after that is nothing. Nothing after that comes. You that cannot good. salvage it after yeah, yeah. that. Um, so that was that's his big book, and he followed it up with another great book called "The Message of the Sphinx: A Quest for the Hidden Legacy of Mankind." So this he is loves a his quests. This yeah. guy loves a good quest. Yeah. So this is a collab that he did with Robert Bovell, who he collaborates with a lot on his books. That came out in 1996, which argues that the Sphinx and the pyramids are a lot uh-huh. older using astronomical data. Because another thing he does is that if his thing Things are off like you know the Giza pyramids being unaligned he's just like well that's because they're so old that because of the procession of the equinoxes they were aligned when they were built 20,000 years ago okay uh, all right makes sense to me everything checks out so he argues that if you look at the erosion patterns of uh, of things like the Great Sphinx and the pyramids there's a lot of evidence that there is erosion on them that came from floods or rainfalls but they're in deserts yeah how could that be and he's says it's because you know 11,500 years ago there was a global flood which he also believes in uh the noah's flood of course we talked about that we can't do that without talking about noah's flood and that um because of that it led to massive floods in egypt about you know that uh 15,000 to 10,000 years ago that then caused these things to experience uh water erosion cool big global flood yeah um, all of, everything you're saying basically right now is it's reflected in his filmography. I guess not his filmography, but it's it's reflected in his film credits like five to ten years after all the things that you're saying. So like he was in a twenty a, a 2002 series called Underworld, uh, Flooded Kingdoms of the Ice Age. You know, he was in Quest for the Lost Civilization. Again, he loves his quests. Yeah. A lot of different Atlantis stuff. 2012 Science or Superstition. He he knew the History Channel or like, you know, the History Channel style game way before a lot of people uh, were, were jumping on board. But um, this is basically a, a hypothesis. I do like that when um, when people are talking about really shitty crank archaeology, it very often goes by the something hypothesis. <laughs> like when I was researching the the younger dry ass impact hypothesis. <laughs> it's like, yep. Mm-hmm. Um so the the general claim is that the Sphinx does show signs of there being uh, water damage or water erosion on it. And that is something that is actually not disputed. We do th- that there is signs of water erosion on these things. Okay. And to them, that implies that it was built a lot older than it was at a time when the climate was a little bit wetter. All right. But, but. more recent geological evidence has shown that uh, around 2200 BC, there actually was a period of heavy rainfall that happened during the Old Kingdom in Egypt. 
Egypt, which uh, very much aligns closer to what we know because the Sphinx was probably built around 2500 BCE. So therefore, it would uh, it would have been about 300 years old. Oh. It would have been about 300 years old, 4,200 years ago when these rainfalls happened. Just Egypt. Okay. Fucking Egypt, man. Egypt, so old. <laughs> Why everything's so, so old? Sort of- <laughs> So just to rephrase what you're saying, the pyramid existed for 300 years during the time where these rainfalls could have happened, heavy rainfalls. When the rainfalls happened, the Sphinx specifically. Oh, the Sphinx. Was 300 years old at that point. So it existed. So it had 300 years of, of water erosion, basically. I mean, not exactly 300 When it was years, 300 right? years old, it experienced a period of heavy rainfall and sandstone does not handle rain mm-hmm. very well. So there are permanent signs on the Sphinx of water erosion from that period. But they, gotcha. but the people here uh, use that to try and say, actually, that means that it was built in 9700 BCE, making it 11,000 years old, which would have made it said that it was built during the Ice Age, which um, is an unfact. It's a fattent. What? How did they get that? Again, this thing, is, this is a strange, this is a strange thing. Here's the established belief. I don't believe that. Here's my vibe-based reasoning. And then uh, older, everybody's right? conspiracy. Yeah. Um, no, it seems older than me. And Dr. Hawass, the, the really big, um, what's it called? The really big Egyptologist who worked for the government for many years has pointed out that this theory, quote, never demonstrates why the rainfall over the last 4,500 years would not be sufficient to round off the corners. <laughs> <laughs> um, because Giza has actually, you know, has had rain before. It is a desert, but it isn't like, you know, yeah. completely barren. It does still get rain. It is still it close rain. to the ocean <laughs> it's t- or it's close yeah. to the Mediterranean. So yeah, it's dry, but it's not like... It's old. It, like yeah. that's the thing, right? You, 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 it's you, just, anything it's that sticks old. around for like, you know, 4,000 years, even if it rains like once every like 10 years, that still has it being rained on like hundreds of times, right? Like <laughs> That's the thing, right? Because they're, they're trying to claim that that it's much, much older. Like it wouldn't, the water erosion wouldn't have been enough over the past 4,500 years, but it's like, it's 4,500 years. How old do you need it to be? (laughs) How old do you need it to be before it's like, yeah, the rain probably had an effect on it. And it does rain. It does rain in Egypt. You know, there was that picture a few years ago um, where it snowed on like the pyramids. Like, yeah, Egypt is a desert, but deserts don't mean that they like, except for like the desert in Peru, which actually has never, there's a, uh, there's a desert in Peru that actually has never seen one documented rainfall the entire time we've been measuring. But that place is weird. But, uh, it does rain in Egypt and it does apparently snow in Egypt every once in a while. But yeah. And also anything that was made of sandstone built in like uh 9,700 BCE would not be around today. It would be rubble. That is way too long for something as yeah. soft as sandstone to survive. Yeah, that's also true. Um, So that was his next one. Are you ready? He goes to another level in the next one. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Okay. I've been ready. His next book is t- uh, that he worked on uh, again, another uh, collaboration with, uh, with Boval and another guy by the name of Gringsby. Okay. Called, uh, I don't know if you're ready for this one. All right, I, I'm, I'm a standing. We go, we go to some new places. We go to some new places. So he writes a book called The Mars Mystery, A Tale of the End of Two Worlds, in which he looks at some of the things. Do you remember how back in the 1970s, they had those first pictures of the surface of Mars and there was that really low resolution photograph of that mountain that because of a low resolution yeah. and the shadows, people thought it was a face. It's like a face. It was like a smiley face. So he's one of the people who took that and ran with it and claimed that it was a, bu- uh, that it was a bunch of human-like faces and pure pyramids on mars and um a bunch of them yeah and one one uh review of this book i found said rarely can so little evidence have inspired so 
much speculation. Um, the logic, the, the the one of good one of Goodreads review said the logical sloppiness of this book is breathtaking. Amazing. So the main thing Amazing. is, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this sooner. But there is, uh, there was uh, until conspicuously a few years ago, there was uh, this whole discussion about a face on Mars because there was these really the first pictures we had of the surface of Mars that came from an orbiting satellite were very low resolution and there is one where like because of the light and everything like that it looks like a face but then we went back to mars and took other pictures of it and it shows that in high resolution it looks nothing like a face it's not a face yeah darn but it seems that uh apparently uh the one one way that this book was described described is that the first half is like that and then it comes out around the time that those high resolution come out and then sort of veers into being a story about um how like Instead of focusing on Mars, let's focus about how civilizations collapse on Earth. But then okay. also uh-huh. in the book says that the face has some connection to Egyptian mythology. Sure. And of course that, it uh, does. Yeah. And that a Mars-like doom waits for Earth unless we take steps to avert it. And it just becomes a whole different book. And also, some people have argued that the face on Mars is a face, but that um, it's been destroyed by, uh, by, by uh, what's it called? By asteroids that destroyed Mars's atmosphere as well. Darn, they got my homework again, Tristan. Yeah. Those asteroids, they got me. So, so basically, when they were confronted with the face not being a face, they were like, actually, it was a face, but it got hit by an it asteroid was. and now it's not a face we, anymore. We took we took a photo at the exact right time when it was a face and it's not a face anymore Mm -hmm. and that's not our fault you saw the photo it's beautiful isn't it great photo it's a work of art next the next book he gets into is a book called uh heaven's mirror the uh quest for the lost civilization which i was not able to find any uh reviews or much data about except i could find that he did a documentary for um he did some sort of documentary that a tv miniseries a tv miniseries i guess that was uh that was named the same thing and uh it is available on youtube in a very low resolution sort of bootleg copy like you can find occasional interesting documentaries on youtube that are just blatantly ripped off from television fantastic yes um, que- again with his quests quest for the lost civilization yeah. yep 1998 i don't have a whole lot to report on this because basically it's just the orion correlation theory that we've talked about in previous episodes so Great. it's just sort of the book that really outlines that belief of his outlines mm-hmm. the book yeah <laughs> yeah you, you get it um his next book after that was underworld the mysterious origins of civilization this was i mentioned this earlier this also got a tv thing yeah a tv series this book was apparently 800 pages uh long and uh the idea that basically the last ice age ended and had sea levels rise which caused the global flood that ended the world and uh subsequently destroyed all of the evidence of his lost civilization and i love this i love this quote from a review i found graham who makes it clear countless times throughout the book that he's not a scientist and doesn't have expertise in training does have Uh his scuba license and he believes and posits an excruciating length that he will find these submerged civilizations good luck yeah uh, he's still working on that one i think those are the only two imdb credits where he is also credited as a writer so those two quest for lost civilization and underworld 
flooded kingdoms of the Ice Age. Beautiful. Those are the only two TV things he's written. Sweet. I love it. Good on you. Uh, in that, he also, uh, it turns into another one of his books. And you see this a little bit in Ancient Apocalypse as well, where it, it's part him elaborating all of these theories he has. And at the same time, it's also just a description of various different, like it seems like Underworld is like, he got really into scuba diving for a little bit. And he decided to write a book about how there's civilizations under the ocean to justify like getting a book advanced so that he could go on like a scuba diving trip around the world. Yeah, this is this is the James Cameron approach, right? Like I'm just really, I really want to go. I want to put myself in a little tiny submarine and go to the bottom of the ocean, but I can't, I need to fund it by making a movie about the Titanic first. <laughs> I If I don't, if I make a movie about the Titanic, they'll let me go down and film stuff mm-hmm. at, the, at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that's why uh, Avatar 3 is going to take place at like Disneyland or something so that he could just go on a vacation with his kids or whatever. <laughs> now it's more the Adam Sandler approach. <laughs> just like, I want to go on a vacation. How? Yeah, how can I fund this movie to be at a place where I want a vacation yeah. at? A true That's content me. creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have on more than one occasion when I went to Mexico been like, should I like make a video at like a Mayan site and like make it content? And I'm yeah. like, do I want to drag my filming equipment to the Yucatan Peninsula uh, and just like, you know, expose it to that much humidity and also at the same time have to pack an entire camera and tripod and recording equipment and <laughs> haul it with me on my vacation? Now, here's what you do. You just film a segment of the video on your phone while ah, you're on vacation. You and then, boom, that was a trip. That was a research trip. And I have evidence by this one little clip that I put in a video. I, this is for now it is a tax deductible vacation. I have no idea if that actually would work. Don't take my tax advice, anybody. No, no. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. If you ever try to write off your resort trip uh, as a business expense, um, that is going to, like, you are guaranteed to be audited. <laughs> Unless your name is Adam Sandler. Unless your name is Adam Sandler. Uh, and then we get to Talisman, Sacred Cities and Secret Faith, which apparently is another, uh, it's another collab between Hancock and Boval. Uh, and it's apparently this belief that, it, apparently it, it treads on a lot of, like, weird theories about ancient Christianity that I think we haven't talked about much with like the Gnostics and the Cathars trying to find that there's like, this is like getting into like Da Vinci Code territory of believing that there is like a secret society that tries to preserve the Uh. beliefs of the Gnostics and the Cathars and that they've like inspired parts of like Egypt and like it's delving into a completely other area of pseudo-archaeology and crankery and also makes me think that I need to do a episode of this podcast where I just get mad at Dan Brown for the horrible hatchet job he did to history for his books but Thanks, then Dan. it's gonna not be it's probably not aliens it's just gonna be the podcast where Tristan takes out his petty grievances against people who do history bad I bet people would appreciate that episode though that would be fun now I want to have um, the channel like the, the 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 album art but it's just that extremely long title <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so it, it's been just dis- it's been uh i've seen descriptions of it that have things about it being either treading old ground or being poorly argument or argued and then mm. uh but there's two things that i want to mention that are big about this one that speak a lot one someone pointed out that it has 57 pages of references but it has references to people like a guy by the name of arthur geertum who has okay. uh who as part of his research also uses dreams, visions, and instructions from discarnate entities from in his books. So they literally cite people's dreams and visions as part of this book. Amazing! (laughs) How tied in, how looped in are you on TikTok drama right now? Uh... Not a lot. My TikTok is a lot of sandwich stuff. Do you know where I'm going with this just based off of the question I asked? Like manifesting? No, there is currently 
a TikTok psychic who, and this will be old news by the time people listen to this, who had a vision accusing someone of murder in a real murder investigation, a real murder case. And that person has absolutely, like definitively did not do it and now is being sued. Uh, And I think that lawsuit like defaulted because the psychic didn't even show up, but like literally relied on visions to be like, I had a vision that this person killed this this victim. TikTok is wild. Last last drama I heard about, they were hexing the moon and also people were like, uh, and the other drama on top of that was just people putting up videos of them handling extremely venomous animals and like everyone being like, no, (laughs) don't stop. Like there was a viral TikTok of somebody handling a blue ring octopus, which like kills people very easily. Don't don't touch blue animals. That's just a, that's just a simple rule. If an animal's blue, don't touch it. Yeah. (laughs) I just watched a YouTube video about that, but yeah, like, uh, and also, uh, in the last chapter, which is apparently an appendix, that is the only place where they put their real purpose in the book, which is that they start talking about a, uh, basically a Jewish Mason plot that uh, is uh, beloved by right-wing conspiracy theorists. So basically, this all is a lot of words to sort of hide the the very old Masons slash Jews are undermining the world, etc., etc., etc. Great. Yeah, apparently, Hancock, I, I, I've read some people who have like responded to Ancient Apocalypse who are like, actually, he's like this native, like native rights and environmental activist now. But man, he definitely goes into a lot of racisms before he gets there. Sure does. Does. And then I think you teased also that he's going to get into some drugs, drug related stuff. Yes. So um, so that's going to be the end of part one. But to part give you a, to give you a tease of part two, we get to talk about how he believes that uh, we were a lot of civilization was developed by uh, received wisdom from people taking ayahuasca. Cool. His band his band TED Talk. I'm sorry. His, his t- I'm sorry. He is a band? Is what you're saying? His TikTok that t- his oh, sorry, his TED Talk. Oh, okay. His TED Talk that TEDx has removed from their platform. Oh. I thought you were saying that he has a band. No, no. no. He has his, his band. Sorry, my nose. I would have his loved band that. TED talk. Gotcha. He did a TEDx talk. He did a TEDx talk that led to a long conversation happening about the uh, level of quality in TEDx talks. Like TEDx Excellent. had to change its like standards for who they get on as talkers or as speakers because of Hancock's uh, uh, thing on there, which is the war on consciousness. We'll get in that. And then we get into Magician of the Gods and we also get... We get into Ancient Apocalypse and we get into his multiple fantasy novels. Fictional fantasy novels. He, he starts fun. He does take a break from pseudo-archaeology for a while to start writing fantasy. I would argue most of what he's written so far is fantasy. So I'm glad he's finding his stride. There is a quote from him on that where it's like, well, everyone thinks I'm writing fantasy anyway, so I might as well give it a try. And we'll talk <laughs> about how his books are apparently very bad <laughs> and very racist. So we'll bring it, we'll get on to all of that uh very fun stuff in part two, which will come out next week. But until then, actually, this is a really good sell. If you want to listen to part two right now, literally right now, you can do so by going to nebula.tv slash probably not aliens and signing up. Uh, and if you sign up for uh, like less than $2 and 50 cents a month, I believe you can yeah. uh, get access to next week's episode. Now you get a week uh, early on Nebula. So mm-hmm. go check it out. 
It's fun. Go listen to it. Yep. And of course, uh, this show, you can communicate with us through at Probs Not Aliens. Yes, we are aware that uh, we're getting some some push to do a Mastodon. We should probably Mastodon at some point. We should probably Mastodon. Because Twitter point. is getting, uh, it seems like Twitter is entering a new stage of its decline right now. It's bad. Yeah, it's, we it's, have an Instagram. If you want to message us on it, you can DM us on Instagram. We have an Instagram account that I don't post much to, but I do have access to. So you can message us there as well. And also, hey, Scott, if I wanted to watch stuff that you made, stuff where you talk about all sorts of fun stuff about art and creativity and the world through the lens of vulnerability and creativity, I, I completely yeah, flub that. That's fine. But where would I, I go to, to to synchronize my nerds? Um, Boy, if your nerds are out of whack and you need to synchronize them, go check out my YouTube channel called Nerd Sync. And our, wow, even I was about to spell my own channel wrong. N-R-D-S-N-C. It's now yep. a uh, circa 2008 uh, tech startup. That's exactly right. Uh, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. That's uh, where I post videos. I It's in the month of March. I'm trying to post a video every single week. I don't know why. Mostly because I need the money. I'll, that's why. <laughs> Um, so look forward to that. I've got some Scooby-Doo stuff. I've got some comic book stuff. It's a lot of fun. Tristan, where can people find stuff about you? I mean, if they're listening to this episode and hopefully the timeline works out and they want to hear more thoughts about Ancient Apocalypse, yes. where can they listen to that? Uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, Step Back at stepbackhistory.com, you can watch my painfully uh, long video where I look into, uh, where I basically respond to all of Ancient Apocalypse. It's it's fun and it's part of the greater mental breakdown that I've been having in the last few months because of this goddamn Netflix podcast or Netflix documentary. But if you want to support my continued destruction of my mental health and probably longevity of my body, you can do so by reviewing this podcast on all of the great podcast platforms. You absolutely can. Reviews really do help us out. Reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, rating five stars. We are actually, it's very funny, we are getting to the point where our show is picking up a little bit of steam. So we're getting people who are leaving like one star reviews, like unironically saying that we are like CIA shills or something like that. CIA yeah. plants. It's always a good sign. Great sign. So if you want to help us combat those, please. If you're that person who sent that email, uh, cease your investigation. Only you can hear this part of the podcast. Uh, yeah, we are only telling you, you to can stop hear right this now. Part. We redacted it for everyone else. But yeah, all the, all the good reviews really do help us out. And uh, you can also tell your friends about the show. The best place to point them is a very simple website called probsnotaliens.com, which I do have to update to include Mastodon links and other things like that. Mm -hmm. But you can send people there. They can listen to our show on every single podcast platform, I think. Yeah, all of them. We've invented some new ones that you don't even know about yet. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. (sighs) (sighs) Probably. bit a big little hit there huh yeah i have like an actual pen in my drawer here should i should you get it out for that's, the that's illegal on podcasts i'm gonna do the smoke sound <sighs> <sighs> can you tell i've never smoked anything <laughs> <laughs>